0: Today on Vitality Radio, if you've been wondering about vitamin K2 because of all the recent publicity it has received, you aren't alone. It is one of the most common questions I receive weekly at Vitality Nutrition and online at Facebook and Instagram. People have been hitting me up on direct messages, posting questions, and of course coming into Vitality Nutrition asking all about vitamin K2. Now I did an episode not too long ago. If you want to hear it, it's episode 226, where I talk about vitamin D3, K2, and magnesium and how they all interact together. But today's episode is to specifically focus on K2 because so many people are asking me about it and I figured that I might as well answer those questions here. So there are so many amazing aspects of vitamin K2. And if you know me well, if you're a regular listener of the show, or if you've recently joined and you heard my episode a week or so ago about the vital five, you know that my vital five, I hold into high, high regard. That is probiotics, digestive enzymes, omega-3, a good multivitamin, and of course, magnesium. Those are the big five that I always believe everybody should consider taking every single day based on dietary deficiencies, stress levels, and a variety of other things. It's hard to get into my Vital 5, and vitamin K2 just might force me to change the name of the Vital 5 to the Vital 6. It just doesn't sound as good, does it? So I got to figure that out. But K2 is that important. So before I launch into this K2 discussion, this is going to be a pretty short episode, but it's going to be detailed. And I think you're going to get some really great stuff out of us. So stay tuned. I won't keep you for very long. Vitality Radio Courses always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, Utah at 801-292-6662. That's where you call if you want to get a live person to ask your questions to, or you can go to vitalitynutrition.com and you can check things out there, get educated, place orders and all that kind of stuff. Or if you want to get real interactive with the show, we finally have a Facebook group, the Vitality Radio Listeners Community on Facebook, and we would love to have you join. We have over 110 members now, and it's growing very, very quickly. We've only had it for a couple of weeks and we're having a lot of fun in that group. I give away uh, free supplements twice a week at least, actually three times a week at least, and uh, bonus little things here and there, But. While getting free stuff is awesome, and that's a good enough reason to join, probably, a better reason is to get more education and get more personalized information. It's the best way to grab my attention so that I can answer your questions directly. And of course, you get to source information from the community. We've had some really good discussions on natural deodorant. What are the best ones that people have used? We've talked about a lot of other really cool things already in just the first couple of weeks. The link to join device. Vitality Radio listeners community on Facebook is in the show description on your podcast app. So check that out. Check out VitalityNutrition.com. Or if you're local to Utah, we would love to have you walk in the door at uh, Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful. We'll be celebrating our 45th year in business in two weeks. Crazy, crazy stuff. Okay, let's jump into vitamin K2 right now. So first, just a quick little history lesson on k How did K2 first come to be discovered? Well, vitamin K1 was discovered by a German researcher when he discovered its coagulation properties. In fact, the K in vitamin K comes from the German word coagulation, which in German starts with a K. So that's how it gets its name and how it was originally discovered. But vitamin K2, which is a little different from vitamin K1, actually, I would say while they are part of the same family, they're quite a bit different in the benefits that they provide for the body. That was believed to be discovered by one of my heroes, actually, a dentist named Weston A. Price. If you're not familiar with the Weston A. Price Foundation, I highly recommend you check them out online. They have some great, great information about eating as our ancestors did, eating more real, whole, raw food, and they do a wonderful job over there. Weston A. Price traveled the world in the early 20th century, studying the the relationship between diet and disease in different populations. And he found that in non-industrial diets, meaning people that were eating, you know, more off the land, so to speak, that uh, they were high in an unidentified nutrient. They didn't know what it was, but it seemed to provide protection against tooth decay and other chronic, well, and chronic disease, I guess, um, He referred to the mystery nutrient as Activator X, and it's now believed that what he was talking about was actually vitamin K2. So what do you need to know about vitamin K2? Well, let's first just talk about our brilliant, wise health authorities and what they have to say, our health and nutrition overlords at the FDA. First, they don't differentiate between vitamin K1 and K2. So then they throw out this statement, and this is directly from their site. Vitamin K deficiency is very rare. Most people in the United States get enough vitamin K from the foods that they eat. Also, bacteria in the colon make some vitamin K that the body can absorb. All of that is kind of partly true, which is about what we get from the government when it comes to our health care. But they don't differentiate K1 and K2. And if you're just talking about getting plenty of K1, yeah, you can get plenty of K1. It's found in pretty decent quantities in the Western diet, particularly if you eat a lot of leafy greens, you know, spinach, kale, uh, lettuce, and things like that. You'll get a decent dose of K1. But the problem is K2 is not very easily found in the Western diet. In fact the primary sources of K2, are you ready for this? Organ meats, natto, and eel, along with much lower quantities, but decent quantities in grass-fed beef, butter from grass-fed cows, and cheese. And because most people in America don't eat organ meat, don't even know what natto is, eel isn't a really common (laughs) delicacy on American uh, plates right now. And unfortunately, way too many of us are eating corn-fed beef and butter and cheese. It is one of the most consistent deficiencies in the West, that is the deficiency of vitamin K2. But still, according to the FDA, adequate daily intake is 120 micrograms for men of just vitamin K in general and 90 micrograms for women. People in the West don't eat as much K as they used to even 50 years ago, according to FDA, but scientists are studying whether higher amounts should be recommended. Interestingly enough, some of those studies have led to some pretty impressive, uh, what I would consider, evidence to a higher recommendation, but it hasn't budged the FDA yet. A study in 2013 found taking 180 micrograms daily helps reduce bone loss in healthy women who had been through menopause. That would be double what the FDA recommends. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration so far has not authorized health claims on labels for products containing K2 at all. Until there is more evidence to support taking supplements, focus on getting a balanced diet in order to get the K1 and K2 that your bones need. But... Good luck balancing that diet because unlike most people's thoughts when it comes to a balanced diet, you know, fruits and vegetables and meats and fats and so on and so forth, if you're not eating beef liver and other organ meat and you aren't downing the natto, then you aren't really likely to be getting very many micrograms of K2 at all. And in case you're wondering what the heck natto is, well, natto is a beloved Japanese dish made from fermented soybeans that's virtually unknown in the U.S. And while it's slimy, gooey texture and strong, pungent odor are popular in Japan, it's safe to say that it's an acquired taste for most folks that, you know, didn't grow up eating it. So what happens if you don't consume enough vitamin K2? Well, there are a lot of things. The two biggest ones would be bone loss, and cardiovascular decline. Women who consumed less than 109 micrograms of vitamin K per day were found to be more likely to break a hip. Low vitamin K intake has also been linked to increased risk of hip fractures in men and women and to low bone density in women. Now, I find that very enlightening. The FDA specifically states that 90 micrograms is adequate and yet, there are many studies that show that 110-plus micrograms actually are is the required dosage to improve bone density, cardiovascular health, and many other areas of health. And as I stated in my rant on evidence-based medicine a few weeks ago, it all depends on whether that evidence was paid for by pharmaceutical companies as to whether it seems to count to the FDA. So then... A lot of evidence on vitamin K2, really good evidence, excellent research has been done, and yet FDA drags their feet on even really hardly talking about K2. And in the papers that have been provided by the um, by the uh, Health and Human Services uh, from our government, They still don't differentiate K1 from K2 in what they send to physicians or what they send to consumers. They just talk about K1, and yet the research is clear that K1 doesn't do what K2 does uh, as efficiently as K2 does it, although they both play a role in different things. K1 seems to be primarily beneficial in the coagulation of blood, and K2 seems to be primarily beneficial in the other areas. So, yes, you can get enough K1 in your diet, and I would say most of us probably do, and that's where the FDA has it right. But are you getting enough K2, and how the heck do you know if A, you're getting enough, and B, if you're not getting enough, how much should you take? That's what I aim to answer next. Well, the first question is actually pretty easy based on what we've already talked about, and that is, if you're not eating natto consistently, um, beef liver or other organs, grass-fed beef and butter, and you'd have to eat a lot of grass-fed beef and butter on its own to get enough. And very specific types of cheese, um, yeah, you're not getting enough. In fact, 100 grams of cheddar cheese has like 12 micrograms of K2. So you got to eat a lot of cheese to get anywhere near 100, 200, 300 micrograms. So first let's talk about toxicity, though, because it's a really common question that I also get as kind of a follow-up when we talk about K2. Is it toxic? What if I take too much? The FDA says I don't need it at all, so what do I do? Well, the best way to figure out toxicity is through a measure called the LD50. Now, LD stands for lethal dose, so if you want to talk about toxicity, something that would kill you would definitely be considered toxic, right? Well, the LD50 is figured out in mice, and what they do is they give mice the equivalent of a human dose of something, and then they ramp it up dramatically. In the case of K2, they ramped it up to, the, to 2,000 times what the RDA is. So in male mice, that's 120 micrograms times 2,000, a dose that nobody would ever consume. It would be very difficult to ever get that much. And guess what they found out? The mice were fine there was no toxicity at 2,000 times the dose. So unlike most nutrients, and frankly, most of the stuff I talk about on Vitality Radio, where at its extreme, you can get too much, K2, they can't even find a lethal dose. In fact, in Japan, where natto is commonly consumed, Uh, a lot of Japanese people are getting eight to 900 micrograms of K2 and generally speaking are healthier in many ways than we are here in America, particularly cardiovascularly and bone health. And that's an interesting thing because they consume less dairy, more K2, and they have healthier bones than we do here in America. So there you go. So if it's as safe, as it sounds like it is, and I believe that it absolutely is a very safe nutrient to frankly overdose on, although I don't ever recommending taking recommend taking more of, the, of anything than you should, vitamin K2 doesn't seem to have an upper limit. So we can kind of throw out that as a concern. But what's interesting is I always go back and I look at how I how I look at things is how were we designed to consume these nutrients? Because I do believe that at one point in this world, there was not a need for what I do, and that is to sell supplements for a living. Now, that is kind of a mixed bag because I have a business based on the fact that we live in a world where supplements are much needed. But on the other hand, optimally it would be good to get everything we need from our food from the sun from our water and so on right well that's not the case unfortunately and with k2 it seems that our ancestors got a whole lot more of it than we do because of a lot of reasons but the biggest reason is just the way that food is made and grown here in america most cattle are raised on corn Perhaps the most common way to get K2 in America would be from beef, but grass-fed beef is loaded with K2 and corn-fed is not. So that's a big deal. And when I say loaded, I, sh- I shouldn't say loaded. Scratch that. It's not loaded with it, but it does contain it. But our ancestors didn't just eat steak and hamburger. They ate liver and brains and kidney and so on and so forth. In fact, do you remember your grandparents, mine anyway, were eating liver and onions about once a week, and I tried it, and I've never had it since, (laughs) and I think beef liver is really good for you. In fact, I supplement with it, but I just can't get myself to eat it. So If you're like that, you're not getting as much as our ancestors got. And of course, we eat very few fermented foods, which is one of the other great sources of K2. But also, we live in a much, much more toxic world than we once did. And K2 plays a vital role in the uh, generation and strength of mitochondria, which is constantly under attack by all of the environmental chemicals from this dirty world that we now live in. So K2 is being used at higher rates to regenerate the cells than it ever was for our ancestors. So the need is definitely there. So what are the highlights of what K2 actually does? I'll reiterate. The first big one that most of us already know a little bit about anyway is bone health. It is extremely protective of the bones. And in my view, based on the research I've done, I think K2 is more important for the bones than is calcium not because we need more K2 than calcium. In fact, we need much more calcium than K2. We need it in the milligrams or even grams range as opposed to K2, which we only need micrograms of. But we get a lot of calcium in the American diet. Most of us do. In fact, we live in a world where I believe some of us are actually more calcium toxic, uh, which I have discussed on previous episodes of Vitality Radio. I won't go into it right now. But The big factor with calcium, the biggest factor that I've come to believe that I really didn't understand until just a few years ago is that if we're getting plenty of calcium and we're not getting enough K2, then that is the best way to get calcium toxic. Because what happens is instead of calcium going to the bones, without K2, calcium just lays around and tries to figure out where it's supposed to go. K2 is essentially the shuttle bus for calcium into the bones. And if we're taking a lot of vitamin D, we're getting more calcium pulled from the tissue, put into the blood, and then it needs to get to the bones somehow. And so vitamin D, which many people are supplementing, calcium, which many people are supplementing, which we're also getting a lot of in our diets, without K2 they can actually create more harm than good so the k2 is a major factor there at getting calcium into the bones but perhaps the most important aspect of k2 is the flip side of that coin almost a happy side effect and that is that calcium with enough k2 no longer will lay down in the arteries and create hardening of the arteries you know there's multiple studies now on women who've been given a thousand more mil, a thousand or more milligrams of calcium as a supplement every day for 10 years and they have a 25% higher risk of cardiovascular disease well i believe the singular reason for that is they weren't also given vitamin k2 to make sure the calcium could get where it needed to go so therefore the calcium lays down in the arteries causing literal hardening of the arteries calcification of the arterial walls Also, calcium ends up in places you don't want it, like your kidneys, creating kidney stones, like bone spurs and heel spurs and things like that. With K2, calcium gets to go where it's supposed to go instead of where it is not supposed to go, which means that it is literally a potential lifesaver when it comes to your cardiovascular wellness it's a big deal also as weston a price the dentist discovered way back a hundred plus years ago it is amazing for your teeth and your overall oral health we don't think about teeth that much when we think of bone health but we should the jaw uh, bone uh, that where the teeth are seated is a big big factor in oral health and the teeth themselves and the jaw are strengthened by vitamin K2. And here's one that you may not have thought of, neurodegenerative disease. Parkinson's studies do exist, not just one, there are a few of them now, that show that there are some huge benefits in prevention and possibly reversal of some of the neurodegeneration that occurs in Parkinson's disease by supplementing K2 at about 300 micrograms per day. And it is theorized, although there are not studies that prove this yet, that the same could be true with Alzheimer's and dementia. K2 is also needed, as I mentioned before, and if you're taking vitamin D3, but it is not the other way around. If you're taking K2, you don't necessarily need to supplement D3. But if you have listened to me talk, Supplementing vitamin D3 or getting it from the sun, which is my preferred method to get vitamin D3, uh, I believe does then require that you take vitamin K2 along with it. Also, magnesium, one of my vital five, is a cofactor with vitamin K2, and also a regular deficiency that most of us in America deal with the deficiency of magnesium. K2 supplementation without magnesium uh, makes K2 much less efficient than it would be with magnesium. So they kind of all go together, D3, K2, and magnesium. And like I say, episode 226 explains how they work together in more detail if you want to learn a little bit more. So how do we take it? What form do we want and how much should we take. Now, first, I will just say this. I am not your doctor. As your non-doctor, I am not an authority on your health. I am a resource for education on your health. You get to talk to your doctor, your pharmacist, when it comes to your pharmaceuticals and the choices that you make about what you might put into your body for health. So this is education only, but this is how I see it. And I believe that uh, the research backs this up. But as always, I do encourage you to do your own research somewhere other than just my show. Always first take it with fat. Take your vitamin K2 with a meal that contains fat. It is a fat soluble supplement. It will absorb much more efficiently when you have some fat with it. So take it with meals that have some fat with them. And it seems to me that 200 to 300 micrograms is about the sweet spot for most people based on the research. 200 to 300 micrograms of what is known as vitamin k27 or mk7 it'll say mk7 usually on the back of the label not the front it'll say k2 on the front so look back and find the mk7 form i believe it is the very best my favorite brand of that is natural factors Uh, at the moment uh, they, they make a very good one with the right type it's 120 micrograms per capsule so a couple of capsules a day i think for most people is a pretty good sweet spot. And it's pretty economical. I think it's 12-something a bottle uh, for a month supply. So not too bad as far as that goes. And it is the right form with a good potency. If you have osteoporosis or osteopenia or cardiovascular disease or a high risk of cardiovascular disease based on family history, more K2 may be beneficial, but again, not your doctor. Um, So check with your doctor or your pharmacist. And also, if you are on medicine specifically, blood thinners, I would absolutely check with your doctor or pharmacist uh, before you decide to take vitamin K2. Okay, that will wrap up the show for today. I hope these episodes are beneficial. I'd love to have feedback on them. I'm going to be doing more of these shorter episodes dedicated to one One specific topic or one specific nutrient or herb like vitamin K2. My next episode, I'm going to be answering questions that I've received in the Facebook community. So if you want to have your questions answered on Vitality Radio, that's the best way to do it. Join the community. The link is in the uh, description on your podcast app. And, uh, you can jump in there, ask questions, win prizes, all kinds of fun stuff. And of course, as always come see us at Vitality Nutrition. If you're in the area, we'd love to help you with your health needs at 107 South 500 West. You can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662, or jump on vitalitynutrition.com, uh, to check things out there. And lastly, if you want to contact me uh, with ideas on the show outside of the Facebook group, maybe you don't use Facebook or whatever, you can hit me up, follow me for uh, daily tips on Instagram at Jared Saint, at Vitality Radio, and at Vitality Nutrition Bountiful. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.